0: that is our heart, Lord, to hear not our words, but yours. Father, we do pray and ask that right now as we go to your word, you would speak to every heart that is here. We thank you and praise you for the living, breathing word of God that you've put into our hands. We can open it up and we thank you that the veil's been torn and we can enter into that most holy place and have intimate fellowship with you. We pray, Lord, that that's what we would experience right now, that we would meet with the creator of the universe, Lord, minister to our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray, all God's people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Welcome to Calvary Chapel. It's great to have you here. Go ahead and turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. Continue our verse-by-verse study to the New Testament. Uh, let me encourage you, it's not too late to jump in. We started Genesis last Wednesday night. Uh, the, I'm sure the CDs, if there's still some left, they're always free. As uh, tapes and CDs are always free. Help yourself at the back table. Uh, If you want to get caught up in Genesis and then join us this coming uh, Wednesday, we'll be looking at Genesis chapter 2. All right, well today we we do have a a lot of verses. We'll see what the Lord does. I prepared to teach them all, but we'll see what happens. Um, So I titled the message God's Hall of Fame. And what's interesting is that we live in a world that makes things famous that don't make a lick of sense to me. You know, it's interesting. How many of you have ever been to the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame? Looks like the Hall of Forgetfulness. There's about five of us. <laughs> Have't been to the Football Hall of Fame. Nobody, One person, two people. OK? All right. You know what's amazing is that we live in a world today that people uh, strive all their life to get a bronze statue of themselves, put into a museum that no one will ever see. And when they get put in, they cry about it, and they weep over it, and people have uh, these long debates over who belongs there and who doesn't, and and I will say this, last year, my fa- or two years ago, my family and I went to visit some friends in New York, and we did go to the Baseball Hall of Fame. It was kind of a cool little place, but I must admit that when we got to all the bronze statues, I thought, there were these little plaques on the wall, I thought, so this is what the big deal is. This little bronze statue, or little, not even a statue, this little bronze plaque that everybody's you know, fighting about and voting over and just, oh, they're in such torturous pain trying to get into this place. And and you know what, guys? Who we are before men is irrelevant. Who we are before God is what matters. Amen. And you know what? not being in, you know, I'll never be in the Baseball Hall of Fame, nor will anybody in this room, right? Or the Football Hall of Fame, the, the Hall of Forgetfulness. But you know what? We can be in God's Hall of Fame. And we're going to see the example of those who God looks at and puts in this place is he's given this example to this first century church who is struggling you know it's easy for us to get off track and to put the importance on the wrong thing wrong things now lest lest the women in the room and and I know I'm going to get in trouble for all this but that's okay lest the women in the room think you're off the hook you know sometimes we also do it not just with baseball players and football players we do it with celebrities is that true or not go to the checkout line at the grocery store Why is it that everybody in the world is concerned about four or five people's lives? That's what I'm trying to figure out. And four or five people, I can't figure out what they've ever done in their life to warrant anybody's attention for anything ever, and yet everybody cares what they're doing and what new dog they bought and what purse they have and who they're dating. And it's just amazing to me how we're so focused on stuff that just doesn't matter. Amen? When we, you know, guys, pray for those people. And I want to encourage you. I'm going to exhort you in love as your pastor. Some of you spent more time this week reading about those four or five people than you did in God's Word. Oh, ouch. <laughs> you read more about, I did not even, you know, Paris Hill. I mean, who cares? That's my thought. Who cares? But pray for them, amen? Do they need Jesus? What's the answer? Yes. But we get so caught up in fame, we get caught up in celebrity. We need to make sure, make sure we don't fall into the trap of the church either. We can make the mistake of magnifying and lifting up Christian bands. Can't we do that? Or maybe even a Christian speaker or, or a well-known pastor. Oh, I met so-and-so. You know what? And again, it's great to meet other believers. And, but you know, what? we're all sinners in desperate need of a Savior. And we're just one beggar leading another beggar to the bread. Amen? Amen. And we get so caught up in, the, in trying to be popular before the world when the only thing that matters really is to stand faithful before God. So, let me talk to you about God's Hall of Fame. Now, understand this, that this, real quickly, this was written to the, to the first century Jewish believers. And they were at a point where many of them were being tempted to go back to the old way of life, to go back to the old covenant, to abandon Jesus Christ The substance for the shadow of things that were to come that were fulfilled in him. To go back to the sacrificial system. To go back to the blood of bulls and goats. To leave the blood of the Savior upon the cross. To leave the cross of Calvary for a bronze altar. And in the midst of all that he spent ten chapters telling them Jesus is better. Ten chapters, Jesus is better than the prophets, he's better than the angels, he's better than the high priest, he has the only rest that will really bring you rest forever, on and on and on. Now we get to chapter 11, and after ten chapters of telling them Jesus is better, he's now going to give them some examples. He's going to let them know that you're not alone in this. You're facing persecution, the world is coming after you, but you know what, you're not the first one to have this happen. And he wants to encourage them by giving them some examples of those who've gone before them, who faced persecution and trials, but stood for the Lord. When we get to the chapter next week, it talks about so great a cloud of witnesses. It's not talking about these prophets being up in heaven, looking down, watching us. By the way, nobody's doing that. Amen? If you thought TV was bad, imagine if you had your eyes on the world all the time. What kind of heaven would that be? Not much. Amen? They're looking at Jesus, amen? They're looking at the Lord. They're looking at the... Fo- their, their eyes are focused on God, not on this world, or they'd be miserable in heaven. But they're saying that they're such a great a cloud of witnesses because they're a cloud of examples. So as we go through these examples, I want it to be an encouragement to every one of us to look and to see that these examples are not only for the first century church, but they're for us today as well. Because while we're going to see these people come, they're living in different times, they come from different backgrounds, they have different circumstances, they all have one thing in common. And what they have in common is faith. They're different ages, different things in front of them. One common thing, faith, and faith in Almighty God. So, if you're a note taker, God's Hall of Fame. Let me give you the outline. First of all, we're going to see the description of faith. The description of faith. That's one of the things that so sadly is misunderstood by so many, and it's been abused by televangelists. My prayer would be you'll leave your understanding what faith really is. Number two, we're going to see that true faith produces an action. So those actions will be faith worshiping, faith walking, faith working, faith waiting, faith warring, faith winning, and then finally faith willing to die now these are these are examples what happens in the life of a believer who walks by faith there's an eternal perspective and everything changes so let's look at god's hall of fame beginning by looking at the description of faith in john 20 29 thomas jesus thomas because you have seen me you have believed but blessed are those who have not seen me and yet believe Faith is not seeing and then believing, it's believing and then seeing. Amen? Now, faith is a word that's been abused. It's been misused by the the over-emotional, temporal-minded, doctrinally unsound, name-and-and-claim-it followers. Was that pretty direct or what? Where we command God, by having enough faith, we tell God what to do. And they misinterpret creation saying that it was God's faith that created the world. God didn't need faith. Do you understand that? Do you understand God doesn't need faith? He's God. Amen? You can only put faith in something greater than yourself. There's nothing, no one greater than God. He has no faith. He doesn't need it. Amen? So it's by faith that we understand that He created the heavens and the earth. But they've turned it around to say, by faith he created things, so by our faith and our words, we can create things. The only thing we can create with our words is a mess. <laughs> Amen? Now we can worship God, and we can be praise and honor to his name, but we need to understand that there's this misunderstanding that faith is this movable object. Guys, it's not an object, it's, it's, a, it's a confession of our heart placed in the only one who's worthy of our faith faith is only as good as the object you place your faith in amen so faith itself is not an object faith itself has no power apart from the one we put our faith in the second misconception about faith along with the name it and claim it, and we command God to do things is those who are intellectual today who would say that if you have faith in God it just proves that you're a dimwit that faith in believing in something you can't see just proves that you're dumb you're not the sharpest tool in the shed you just don't get it right now guys neither one of those of course is true true faith is not blind optimism or a manufactured hope so feeling and it's certainly not a belief in spite of the evidence because that would be superstition true biblical faith is confident obedience to god's word in spite of the circumstances or consequences Let me say that again. True biblical faith is confident obedience in God's Word in spite of the circumstances or the consequences. Faith is saying, I trust God even though right now in my circumstances it doesn't make sense. Because you know what? God is outside of our circumstances. Amen? God is greater than anything that is before us. That is true biblical faith. It's not a hope-so feeling. It's not a superstition that flies, you know, contrary to the evidence. It's not a movable object, but it is indeed. Biblical faith is confidence in obedience to God's word, regardless of the consequences. True faith operates real simple if you're a note taker. Here's here's how it works. God speaks. We hear his word. We trust it. We act upon it. Amen? God speaks. We hear his word. We trust it. We act upon it. That's is faith true faith will produce an action and sometimes our faith is going to look even greater because the circumstances are greater but that's when we get to see God move it's the times that we're you know when they're backed up against the Red Sea and the army's coming at them and there's no escape that we get to see God work it's still trusting God who promised to deliver them out of bondage that he would make a way where there seems to be no way Again, we're not forcing God, we're just trusting God. Amen? That's true faith. So let's begin by looking at a definition or a description of faith. Verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The word substance there means to stand up under or to support. So faith to a Christian is what a foundation is to a house. The substance that gives us confidence and assurance that what God has promised us will happen. Guys, has God made promises to us? More than we could probably count. And here's the fact. Every promise He's made, we can trust. Amen? He promises, we trust Him. We believe Him. That is that foundation of the Christian faith, faith in the Word of God. Guys, if we don't have faith in the Word of God, why do we read it? What is even the point? So many churches today are attacking the Word of God. I don't get it. Why even read it if you don't believe it? Amen? Amen. We need to have faith in the Word of God, respond in obedience to the Word of God, and step out in faith to it. So faith is the substance, the support of things not seen. What God has promised us will happen. It's the evidence of things hoped for. The word evidence there simply means conviction. It's the conviction of things hoped for. It's the inward conviction that what God has promised, He will do. So this verse could be said this way. Faith is the confidence of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. It's the confidence that what God has said, He will do, and the conviction that though I have not seen it, I believe that He is faithful. I believe that His Word is true. I can trust in His promises. Verse 2. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. This proves that faith produces an action. True faith will radically impact the way that we live. If we have faith, we have an eternal perspective, we're going to see the world different, and we're going to respond to the world different. It says there, For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. The greatest examples of godliness all had different circumstances and personalities. And again, one thing in common, as I said before, faith in Almighty God. They obtained a good testimony. Now remember who this is being written to. These first century Jewish Christians have been discouraged We're thinking of of giving up on Jesus and their faith, and they needed a good testimony. And so they needed these examples of faith to break them out of their discouragement. Let me ask you a question. Doesn't faith in others increase faith in you? When you see other people boldly stepping out for the things of God, passionate about the Lord, doesn't it wake you up spiritually sometimes? That's why the Lord says, you know, to forsake not the gathering yourselves together. We need to be around other believers who can encourage us in the most holy faith. These first century believers were at a turning point. He hearkens them back and now he's going to give them examples of all these believers who were going through much more difficult circumstances than they were, but how by faith and entrusting in God, in the midst of their circumstances, God was glorified and did a great work in them. And they were inducted into God's hall of fame or god's hall of faith both appropriate verse 3 says by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of god so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible faith enables us to understand what god does to see what others cannot see and do what others cannot do j oswald uh, j oswald sanders put it this way Faith enables a believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. Guys, the Bible tells us that God made the universe out of nothing. It's only by faith that we can believe that. Amen? Now, some scientists would say, unbelieving scientists of course, there are believing scientists as well, who would agree wholeheartedly, would say, well that's impossible. But you know what? There's nothing impossible with God. Amen? Amen? And God's hands are all over creation, and if you weren't here on Wednesday, grab the Genesis 1 tape, I promise you, you'll hear it, okay? He created everything, He spoke, He said, let there be light, and there was light. You know, the world gets really excited when we get a longer-lasting light bulb. <laughs> but you know what? God doesn't need better filament or anything else, right? He just glows wherever He is, and He always will, amen? Amen. He's a perfect holy God. He said, let there be light, and there was light. That's the God we serve. And that so flies in the face of evolution that he created something out of nothing, because they say there was something that exploded where that something came from. They got no idea. Right? The Big Bang Theory. I heard my son Johnny in a, uh, was overhearing him one time when he was 9 or 10 years old in the dugout at the little league field and they were having it's amazing what kids talk about between at bats but they were talking some kid was talking about evolution and he said something about the big bang theory and i i'm sure this is old with all of you but at the time i had never heard this before and my son nine or ten years old said i believe in the big bang theory god said it and bang it happened (laughs) i went amen whose son is that that's good i can strike out four times after that i don't care The Bible says in Psalm 33, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and all the host of them by the breath of His mouth. For He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. He spoke and it happened. That's the God we serve. Guys, we need to be reminded of that so that when we're in the midst of a trial, remember that what's going on in our life is nothing to God. He spoke the world into existence. He put the stars into the sky. He holds the galaxies in the palm of His hand. He's so great. He's far greater than we can ever imagine. No matter how great you think He is, He's greater than that. We're going to get to heaven, and no matter how much the expectations are that you have for heaven, it's going to blow your mind. That's the God we serve, amen? Some of us are going to get there and go, if I had known He was this great, I would have prayed more, amen? But you know what? He's way greater than we think, amen? He's so incredible. He speaks and things happen. That's the God who we trust. And faith says, I believe that He spoke and it happened. And you know what? If you can believe that He spoke and it happened, you can believe and trust anything from our God. Amen? If you don't have a problem with the first four words of the Bible, in the beginning, God, you won't have a problem with the rest of it. Amen? God is the one who did everything, created everything. It's all about Him. He's a great and an awesome God. The world struggles with the simple truth. But guys, by faith, we can understand. By faith, we can believe. We can believe in things we haven't seen yet. We can trust because we know that God is faithful. By the way, it's not superstition to believe it because people have been trying to prove that we were created apart from God and how's that working out so far? Again, these theories keep changing but the word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? You know what you call scientists who study the Bible that try to find contradictions? Christians, because most of them end up getting saved. Because you cannot truly open up the Word of God and examine it in detail and not have your eyes opened up to the truth, amen? It's the most examined book, it's the, most, it's the best-selling book in history by far, way more selling than those, those rags at the grocery store, amen? It is... It is the bestseller, and people have tried to tear it down. They've tried to attack it, and they can't because it's perfect. Amen? Amen. Guys, the description of faith is that we believe what God says, period. Amen? Amen? It's a substance. It's a conviction of things hoped for. It's the confidence in things not seen because we know our God. Guys, here's the other thing. When we became born again, it went beyond just a confidence in our mind, but it is, He has filled us with His Holy Spirit. Amen? We are born again, new creations in Christ. Almighty God dwells in me. And there is not a doubt in my mind that the word of God is true. Amen? Amen. And that's not me conjuring up faith. It's me trusting what God has said and then believing it. And now we need to put it into action. Look at point number two. True faith produces an action. You know, one of the best ways to grow along with prayer and the word is to walk with those who are faithful. And we're going to stroll through these verses, and as we go through God's Hall of Fame, take note of each of these Old Testament saints, how they heard the word of God spoken to them, they were stirred from within, they obeyed, and God bore witness to their faithfulness. And we're going to see 17 different witnesses at least, because it says, and the prophets, I don't know how many that refers to. But there are 17 witnesses, again, used mightily by God, thousands of years apart, all with one thing in common, faith in Almighty God. They heard His Word, and they responded to it. Instead of attacking the Word of God today, the Christian church needs to start responding in obedience to it. Amen? That was really weak amen or amen or what amen? amen all right praise the lord now god's hall of fame number one abel faith worshiping look at it says in verse four by faith abel offered to god a more excellent sacrifice than cain through which he obtained witness that he was righteous god testifying of his gifts and through it he be, though and though and through it he being dead still speaks Now, real quickly, Cain and Abel, Adam and Eve's sons, God had made a very clear command on how they were to sacrifice to God. Because Abel was a shepherd, he had greater access to a blood sacrifice, but he brought a blood sacrifice and made offering to the Lord. Abel came and brought a sacrifice of vegetables or wheat because he was a farmer. And some have debated whether it was what he sacrificed or the heart with which he sacrificed it. But God looked down upon and saw Abel's heart that he came and responded in obedience to the word of God with the right heart before God. He did it out of faith. Where Cain did it either begrudgingly or he didn't do the sacrifice right at all. I personally believe he was supposed to bring a blood sacrifice. And I believe that because he had grain, it was more accessible rather than trade grain with his brother for an animal. He just brought what he had. And you know what, that's us kind of doing things our way instead of God's way. I'm just going to give you, Lord, what I have. I'm going to give you the best that I have. Instead of doing things the way you've asked me to do it, I'm going to do it the way I think you should have me do it. And that's exactly what happens with Cain. And we know that the Bible tells us back in Genesis that the Lord looked down upon the sacrifice of Abel. And he says that he did indeed offer a more excellent sacrifice. What did Cain do in response? He killed his brother. Abel was faithful. He was obedient. He trusted God. And what was the result? He was killed by his own brother. Well, that doesn't quite go along with the uh, name and claimant method, does it? Here he is a faithful man and the result was death. But guys, here we are. 6,000 years later and his testimony still speaks amen he was a faithful man of god who obeyed almighty god and because of it he had a testimony before the world guys god doesn't promise that we will be on the cruise ship to heaven if we follow him He actually tells us, Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you for my name's sake, for so they did the prophets who went before you. It says in James chapter 1, Count it all joy, my brethren, when, not if, when you fall into various trials. Because trials produce patience and the perfecting of your faith. Guys, if we want to grow in our faith, some trials are going to have to come. Amen? And so we see in Abel's life, He is, this is faith worshiping. How is it? this faith worshiping? God said, here's how I want you to worship. Here's how I want you to sacrifice. Abel said, yes, Lord, did exactly what God called him to do, and he obeyed. That's faith. Faith says, God said it, that settles it, I'm doing it, amen? Amen. And that's exactly what Abel did. Cain did not. And again, we see here when we obey, doesn't always mean things are going to go easy, because often the world Will be envious and attack. Guys, when we die, our lives will continue to speak for the way that we lived. And Abel died serving God. I can think of no greater testimony than that. Amen? He was being faithful and obedient to the Lord. His life on this planet was cut short. Is that a bad thing? No. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Amen? Now again, we don't take our life, we don't number our days, God alone does that, but while we're here, we need to be busy about His work, but as believers, we ought to die well and rejoice in the fact that we are in the presence, going to be in the presence of Almighty God, amen? So for Abel, it seems like his life was cut short, no it wasn't, it was right on time, and the point is being made that true faith does indeed produce an action, and in Abel we see faith worshiping. Now in Enoch, we're going to go from faith worshiping to faith walking. Verse 5. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. What Can you think of a greater testimony than that? What a great epitaph. He pleased God. Enoch... It's such a great picture for all of us. People ever ask you the question, what about the uh, person in, you know, in Africa that never heard the gospel before and never had a Bible? What about them? Isn't it unfair? You know what? Enoch never had a Bible. Enoch never went to synagogue. Enoch never had the Ten Commandments. And you know what? Enoch walked with God. You know what? Our God is not hiding. Amen? And we know from Scripture that Enoch walked with God for 300 years. And finally, God said, You know what? I just love hanging out with you so much. Just come on up here. <laughs> now, Enoch, Enoch had a son. His son's name was Methuselah. What's Methuselah known for? Oldest man who ever lived. That's a great, by the way, that's a great uh, Bible trivia question. How is it that Methuselah was the oldest man who ever lived and he died before his father? Because his dad never died? That's the answer to the question. Ask that someone later, okay? But here's the point. Enoch was walking with God, and he was consumed into heaven. It was by faith that he was walking with God. By faith, he was trusting in God. And Enoch is a great example. Guys, our faith grows as we fellowship with God, as we desire to please Him, as we diligently seek Him, as we pray, as we meditate on His Word, as we worship As we follow him in obedience, Enoch had been doing this and understand that Enoch lived during the days of Noah. And the Bible tells us that everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes. It was a time of wicked perversion and in the middle of all that, Enoch was standing before God here's the message to these first century Jews hey guys you're getting persecuted a little bit things around you aren't good and you've been having to deal with this for a couple of years well Enoch lived in the most wicked and evil time in all of human history he had no fellowship around him with anyone and he did it for 300 years with almighty God and God took him up into heaven that should be an exhortation amen Oh, I've had two years. It's been really tough. A couple of my friends won't talk to me anymore. Hey, how about Enoch? That's the point he's making here. How about Abel? Abel worshiped God. They killed him. Is anybody... They haven't killed you, right? No, they haven't killed me. Okay, Enoch, 300 years. Been 300 years? No, it not been 300 years. Right? He's making this point of exhorting them to continue to walk in faith. How did he please God? He walked with Him when nobody else did. Guys... Maybe you're the only one in your classroom, the only one in your workplace, the only one in your neighborhood. Walk with God whether anyone else does or not. Amen? You be the one in your workplace. You be the Enoch where you live. The first century Jewish Christians, again, are caving in after just a few years and they can learn a great deal from Enoch's example. Verse 6. But without faith, it is hard to please God. Is that what it says? what does it say? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So that means that people who do not have faith in Jesus Christ cannot please God. Is that accurate or not? That's an accurate statement. People go, well, Pastor Dave, that's so narrow-minded. What about really good, nice people? Show me one. Amen? The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. Amen? I didn't come to church for this. But here's the point. The truth is we're all sinners in desperate need of a Savior. There is none righteous. None of us is pleasing to God apart from faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Apart from faith, apart from obedience to His Word and responding to Him, we cannot please God by our good works or our actions apart from faith in the Son. We must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. So it says the rest of that verse, you must believe that He is. When people say, well, can't I get to God another way? The answer is no. No one else paid the price for your sin. Nobody else is perfect, holy God. Nobody else is the Creator, Jesus Christ alone. Amen. We can only come through Him. And so he is the one who paid the price. He is the one who's paved the way. He is the one who's torn the veil. And you know what? We must seek him to see the father. The first century Jews are being tempted to turn away from the only one who can bring them into the presence of the father. Remember context, guys. He's writing to them about God's hall of fame, but he's talking to those who are being tempted to turn away from the Lord. And he's reminding them in this verse, without faith it is impossible to please Him. All the Old Testament, Old Covenant sacrifices in the world are meaningless without faith in the Lord. And now if you put your faith in the Lord, you don't need those sacrifices. Context, again, is pointing them to the true source of a relationship with God. And it's not going back, but it's running to Him. It's pressing into Him. As we heard from 12-year-old Logan last week on that, on that video. Run to the Lord. He's always there. He'll always care. He'll always love you. Amen? That's the God we serve. So, God's hall of Fame, Number three. Noah. Faith working. It says, By faith Noah, being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is according to faith. So by faith, Noah was divinely warned of things not yet seen and was moved with godly fear. Faith produces an action. He heard from God. He responded in faithful obedience to God. Now, lest we just run over this, remember what he asked Noah to do. Hey, Noah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, in the middle of dry ground, build a boat. But I want you to build a really big boat. Matter of fact, it's going to take you 120 years to build it. And you're going to build it in preparation for the flood that's coming. Now, understand when this happened, it had never, ever, 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 ever rained. So imagine going to people and telling them as you start to build the boat, no doubt, can you imagine the mockery that went on for Noah? Can you imagine people walking by, he's building the boat. He's building a boat in the middle of a field. He's bu- and he says water's going to fall out of the sky. He's out of his mind. <laughs> now, now again, we know what rain is, but can you imagine if someone said, yeah, I'm building a giant shield in my- because fire's going to fall from the sky. We'd say, dude, you're outside of your mind. Water's going to fall from the sky, so much so that anybody who's not in the boat is going to die. A hundred and twenty years. Talk about faith. He remained faithful to the words of God in the face of persecution from men. And we think it's hard to stand for God for two weeks. A hundred and twenty years. How many jokes do you think they came up with picking on him? And you know what else? I mean, you talk about faith. The guy who was making a wooden boat and bringing two termites along. So you know that's faith, right? (laughs) Sorry, youth pastor. What can I tell you? You know what's amazing, though? At the end of 120 years, only his family got on the boat. But you could say this. After 120 years, his family got on the boat. His family saw him being a man of faith. And guys, that's where it starts Moms and dads, that's where it starts. Our kids need to see us being men and women of faith. Amen? Even before the rest of the world. Certainly want to be an example to them, but it must start in our homes. The first century Jewish Christians, what is he telling them? It's been a couple of years. I just told you about Enoch, 320 years. Here's Noah, 120 years of persecution, and yet he continued to walk with God. And remember that he was doing this in the midst of incredibly great weakness. You know what? Wickedness, excuse me. You know what's amazing to me? Noah did this. How much Bible did he have? No Bible. How many times a week did he get to go to church? Uh, There were were no other believers. After Enoch got, got taken up, there was no one. It was Noah. You know, it would have been real easy just to go hang out with the world, wouldn't it? And instead, for 120 years, without the cross of Calvary, without the resurrection, without the empowering work of the Holy Spirit, though the Holy Spirit may have uh, certainly been an encouragement to him, he did not have the Holy Spirit the way that you and I do, and yet he continued to serve God. How much more should you and I, who have the full, completed revelation in our hands, we can look back to the cross, the resurrection, all the prophetic truth that has been fulfilled in Jesus Christ, how much more faith should we be walking in? Amen? And yet we, you know, have a hard time. It's cold out. I don't go to church. It's cold. I've got to walk like eight steps from my, you know, heated house to my heated car. In the gravel parking lot? I don't think so. I'm going to stay home today. You know what I mean? 120 years of persecution and yet continuing to keep his faith in God. Noah's obedience blessed his family. And you know what? It blessed every generation afterward because if Noah hadn't obeyed, we wouldn't be sitting here. Amen? Everybody in here is related to Noah. Did you know that? Every one of us. And we praise God for Noah's faithful obedience. Again, never know the far-reaching effects of our faith in God. When we put our feet, put feet to our faith, we have no idea how God's going to use it. Noah had no idea how incredibly he was going to be used by God. God's Hall of Fame, number four, or part D, faith waiting. Now, this is the hardest thing in the world for most of us, amen? I'd rather say, you know, God, wouldn't it almost be easier if God said, okay, climb that mountain, then I'll tell you. okay. Where's the mountain? I'll do it. You know what happens though? God says, I'll tell you later. <laughs> when? I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> Just keep serving me. Just keep your eyes on me. Just keep watch, following me. In perf- my perfect timing, I will tell you. We are so impatient, aren't we? have oh, yeah. got to have it now. Don't you, get, don't you find yourself getting mad when you're at the drive-thru window and it's been like a minute and a half? <laughs> Isn't that true or not? What is this, a slow food restaurant? I mean, it's been like a minute we are so impatient and we can take that and be that way with god and i've been praying about this for a week come on god what are you doing up there been a week come on speak quick about it you know what though we need to wait upon the lord and trust that he knows what he's doing amen Understand, the ministry is not a destination, it's a way of life. It's not a place we land one day. We're all in it. We're all serving God right now, and we need to just be faithful to Him and trust that if I'm waiting for a spouse, if I'm waiting for children, if I'm waiting for that job promotion, if I'm waiting for whatever that next thing is, to learn to trust Him, to know that He will bring it to us in His perfect time. And here's some examples of faith waiting. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he... he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Now that's faith, amen? God said go. He didn't say where, he just said go. Where? Just go. But where? Just go. Okay. He went. Not very many of us would do that, amen? Now Abraham we know had his problems. What's amazing about this hall of fame, by the way, God's hall of fame, every one of these people he names has some total mess-ups. Every one of them, right? Didn't Abraham twice tell people that his wife was his sister? Didn't he twice? Didn't he, in the middle of a famine, run down to Egypt when God told him not to? But you know, do you notice which part God remembers about Abraham? When he obeyed. That's called grace, amen? And that's exactly how God sees us. He remembers when we obeyed. By faith, Abraham left his comfort zone, his family and his friends, to follow God. These first century Jews were being called out of their comfort zone to follow God. And here's an example. Father Abraham, he stepped out in faith. He left his comfort zone. You need to do the same. He's giving them a clear object lesson. He says, by faith, verse 9, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. Now, what's interesting. He dwelt in the land of promise. But you know what's interesting about that? He never owned anything. Abraham, Father Abraham, never owned anything within the land of promise. The only plot of land he ever owned in the land of promise was a place for himself and his wife to be buried. That's it. And this is Father Abraham. The word dwelt there in the Greek means a resident alien, one who lives somewhere but doesn't have any permanent status there. Guys, that ought to be us. Amen? We dwell here. We are the resident aliens. People talk about aliens all the time. We just need to tell them that's us. Amen? Because this is not our home. Guys, we are just passing through. This life here is but a vapor. When this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. Nothing else is going to matter. And yet we hold so tightly to that which is perishing. And Abraham's an example to these first century Christians. He's an example for you and I today. This mighty man of God, used mightily by God, owned nothing in the land of promise. Lord, help us to be focused on eternity and not so focused on this world that we miss out on your will. He was looking forward to a better city. You know what city he was looking forward to? Heaven. Guys, that's where the dwelling place really matters. Amen? Verse 10, for he waited for the city, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. At this point, he's dwelling in temporary tents. He realizes the permanent city is to come. Why be worried about tent city when you've got heaven? And that was his heart. Verse 11, by faith, now notice it doesn't just, it's not just Abraham, but his wife. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. And she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Why did she bear a child? Because she judged God as faithful. It says that in the word, this is faith. Faith is God says something hard to believe and you trust him. Sarah was 90, right? When When she was first told, what did she do? Who remembers? She laughed. You must be out of your mind. She laughed. Isaac means laughter. She laughed. She didn't believe at first. Oh, no, you've got to be kidding. Look what it says. It wasn't real flattering of Sarah, but look what it says. Verse 12, Therefore one man and him as good as dead. Thanks a lot. How would you like to have that description of you in the Bible? Abraham, and through one man and him as good as dead. I mean, the Bible is so direct, isn't it? You know what? Abraham was 99. Sarah was 90. And God said, you're going to have a child. Oh, you must be kidding. You must be out of your mind. But it says there that she bore seed, that she was going to have a child because she judged him faithful. Guys, we only struggle with God's promises if we look at ourselves. If, we, if, if you know, Sarah says, but I'm 90. It's impossible. We're not to look at ourselves. We're to look at the one who made the promise. Amen. Instead of looking at our circumstances and our frailties, we look at the greatness of our God who put the stars in the sky, who spoke the world into existence. If He can do that, He can make a 90-year-old woman pregnant. Amen? All day long. And He did. You know what's interesting, too? It says... Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead, were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. They didn't just have one child. God would use them to bring forth millions. We, you know what? Our God can do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Amen? He is greater than we could possibly imagine. We need to not look at our frailties, but at His greatness they believed the promises of god and god in the midst of them brought about his perfect will as they simply trusted in him now notice verse 13 says these all died in faith not having received the promises but having seen them afar off were assured of them embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth you know what's interesting those all died in faith having not received the promises what's the promises they're talking about What is it? Who knows? Jesus Christ, the ultimate example, the Word of God. They did not have the Word of God. They were looking forward to the coming Messiah, and yet, though the Messiah hadn't come, they still believed. They still trusted, though though the promise had yet to be fulfilled, having not received the promises, but having seen them afar off. The coming Messiah, the heavenly hope, Guys, it's so much easier to wait when we understand, again, that God is in control. They had to wait upon the Lord in His perfect timing. But notice, while they were waiting, they were obeying God by faith. Guys, we don't wait and check out. Amen? Be busy about His work while we're waiting for what's next. Amen? You'd be busy right where you are, and that's what they were doing. As they were awaiting the coming Messiah, they were faithful to the Lord. They exhibited great faith, having yet to receive the promise. How much more should we who have received it? Again, the first century Jewish Christians, how much more faith should they have exhibited having knowledge of the cross of Calvary? And in their case, in their generation. Verse 14, For those who say such things declare plainly that they seek a homeland, And truly, if they had called to mind what country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared a city for them. You know what's amazing about these people who are used mightily by God? They have an eternal perspective. Amen? He says here, because... They are desiring something far better, a heavenly country. God is not ashamed to be called their God. Guys, we need to get our eyes off of this planet and get them on heaven. The Bible says in Colossians 3, 2, to set your mind on things above and not on things of this earth. We're only overwhelmed by our circumstances when our eyes are focused here. But when they're focused on the things of God, we will never be overwhelmed by our circumstances. Guys, don't you want it to be said of you, that God is not ashamed to be called your God. Lord, I pray that I would live in such a way that you would not be ashamed to be called my God. I know he has been at times. How about you? Where I've lived in such a way I've brought harm to his name. But if we have a heavenly perspective and we walk by faith, he will not be ashamed to be called our God. Verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten Son, of whom it is said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he had also received him in a figurative sense. Guys, this to me is one of the greatest acts of faith in the entire Bible. Amen? How many parents do we have here? Now, let me ask you a question. It would be a lot easier if God said to me, Dave, I want you to run into this place and share your faith, but know that when you get there, they're going to put you to death. That would be a lot easier than God saying, I want you to take one of your four children and take them up on the mountain and offer them as a sacrifice to me. I'll t- I have to confess to you, I don't think I could do it. Anybody else bear witness with that, or is it just me? I've, uh, Lord, I, you know, uh, got to be something else, Right? <laughs> Now what's amazing about this, this is the son that was given to Abraham at 100 years old. He was 99 when he found, he's 100 years old, now he's 115 or whatever he is. He's bringing his son with him. His son has no idea where they're going. His son even says to him along the way, he says, dad, you know, here's the wood, here's the fire, where's the sacrifice, dad? His dad says, the Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. And you know what? He did. But you know what? His faith was tested because when he raised up that dagger to kill his own son, God stopped him and said, Now I know, now I know, Abraham, that you will put nothing in front of me. That's why Abraham was called the Father Abraham. And he's a man of great faith. Because this one act shows greater faith than just about anything I've seen in Scripture. And he even believed that if he took his life, that Isaac would be resurrected. Now understand, that's incredible because up to this point, no one no one had ever been resurrected from the dead. Ever. But yet he knew that God promised through my son, he's going to impact the whole world. He's going to give me descendants as the sand on the seashore. That's impossible unless he lives. So God's not going to let him die. And I trust God. Boy, that's faith. And you know, we need more faith like that today. Amen? Faith that works. Faith that produces an action in our lives. Abraham by faith obeyed God, was willing to give up even that which is of greatest importance to him. He had that peace that surpasses all understanding that the Bible talks about. Lord, I don't get it, but I trust you. Lord, I'm not sure about this, but I know that you are. Lord, you know what? In the middle of this, I should be uptight, but I trust you because you're a faithful God. It's not the peace that comes from understanding. It's the peace that surpasses all understanding. Abraham obeyed god abraham trusted even when his heart was breaking even when he didn't understand are you willing to give up everything for the lord that's the question this is the exaltation to these first century christians he's he's exhorting them that here they are you know facing persecution Their own families want them to go back to the old covenant system, and now they have a choice to make. Follow God or go back to their family and friends. Are you willing to give up your family and friends, he would say, to serve the true and living God? Abraham was willing to give up his only son. What a picture of Jesus Christ, amen? You know what? While Abraham's hand was stopped, the hand of our father was not when he allowed his son to die in our place, amen? You know, he went up a hill, and he's carrying wood, a picture of the cross. And it's amazing how he suffered and died in our place, how he was willing to do that. I, like I said, I'm a, I'm a dad, I, I don't think I could do it, and yet our Heavenly Father did. And I'm a dad, and I don't think I could do it for people who loved me. I don't think I could do it for people who love my family and love my children. And you know what, our Heavenly Father did it for people who mocked him, people who would curse His very name, and people who would never accept what He did, and He did it anyway. That's love. Amen? And we see here this picture, this exhortation coming to this, these first century Jewish Christians. A couple more verses. Then it says, concluding that God was able to raise Him up, even from the dead, from which He also received Him in a figurative sense. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob, and Esau concerning things to come. And by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of his sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning on his staff. You know what's amazing here is we see how the blessing is being given to the next generation. Isaac blesses Jacob. Jacob blesses his sons. And I love this picture that should be happening with these first century Christians and for you and I today, that we need to be giving our faith to the next generation. And the only way we can do that is to live it out before them, as I said before. Last verse. By faith Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instruction concerning his bones. Now this is incredible faith. Now think about this. Joseph is an incredibly... Mighty man of God in Scripture. You know, he was in prison. You guys remember that, right? He was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife when he had done nothing wrong. Joseph becomes the prince of Egypt. He's able to bless his own family. He becomes a, he's just such a mighty man of God. God's hand is upon him that even the ungodly Egyptians recognize it. But what's amazing is of all the great and awesome things that Joseph did in God's hall of fame or God's hall of faith, the thing that Joseph is noted for is this. And I find it interesting that what he is noted for is he says to them when he's dying, when you go into the land of promise and you get out of your bondage in Egypt, take my bones and bury me there. Do you know how far away this was? 400 years. Joseph knew what the word of God said that he would bring them into the land of promise. He trusted the word of God and he said, when you go, take my bones with you. I, you know what? I've been in Egypt. I don't want to be buried here. I want to be in the center of God's will even after I'm gone. And I love this act of faith that he believed the word of God, though it was generations away. And what an exaltation, what an exhortation to all those who would be reading this. Here's Joseph having faith as he's laying on his dying bed that God is going to fulfill His Word. And yet here were those who were considering walking away from the Lord to go back to the Old Covenant. There's a reason why I call this God's Hall of Fame because everyone in here, though they were none of them were perfect, you see why God would mention them as examples. Because each time you see a picture of faith when from the world's perspective it doesn't make sense. You're going to have a child, you're 99 years old. Oh no, that doesn't sound right. You know what? God promised the land of... Pro- We've been in Egypt and He's been ruling in Egypt and you know what? It doesn't seem like it's going to happen. You know what? God said it. I trust Him. Able, worshiping God, being faithful to the Lord. And you know what? The consequences being his own death. But in each case, we see that they trusted God regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the potential consequences. They knew what the Word of God said, and they believed it. Guys, we need to start living like we believe what the Bible says. Amen? And living it every single day. You know what? Here's what's interesting. I believe that God is still adding names to the Hall of Fame. He's still... Faithful. Found faithful. What does the Lord say to those on, when we stand before Him? What are the seven words we all want to hear? Well done, now good and what? Faithful servant. Those are the words we want to hear. We want to live lives, just. these were sinners in need of a Savior just like us, and the only difference between them and many believers today is faith putting faith in God, trusting in His Word enough to act upon it, to have a faith that produces an action in our lives, not a passive faith, not sitting back waiting for someone else to do it, but being the one who will say, Lord, here I am, use me. Help me to be the one that you can show yourself strong on account of, and one day we will stand before Him, and Lord, help us all to hear those words. Well done now, good and faithful servant. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You and praise You for Your Word, and we thank You, Lord, for these examples of mere men, and and next week, mere women, who are just like each one of us in this room, but yet responded by faith to Your Word. And as they responded by faith, You did great and awesome things. Lord, we know it's not faith in faith, but it's faith in You. And Lord, we put our faith in You. We put our trust in You. We put our hope in You. Lord, we ask that You would fill us to overflowing with Your Holy Spirit and that, Lord, You would give us the strength to respond in faith, in faithful obedience to Your Word. Lord, that when we read Your Word, it wouldn't just be something that applies to someone else's life, but it applies to ours. Lord, that we wouldn't be looking to, to be famous before the world, but faithful before You. That our passion would not be accumulate wealth on this planet, but, Lord, to be like Abraham, who owned nothing, who was truly a foreigner on this planet. And, Lord, I pray we would be the same. Lord, that heaven would be our home and our passion and our focus. And, Lord, we would live every day in light of eternity. Lord, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for the encouragement in your word. Help us, Lord, to live just like these guys. Lord, to live lives of faith. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said... Amen. Let's stand and close the worship song.